We're in part three of Everything for Nothing. We're in a series on grace. Has this been good for anybody or y'all? I'm hoping it's, uh, I'm just hoping it's lightening your load a little bit and, and we're, we're leaving religion and we're leaving legalism and we're, le- we're leaving performance and we're entering into the true grace of God. So we're gonna start now in Romans 8, 3. For what the law was powerless to do. Wow. Because it was weakened by the flesh. God did. Everyone say God did. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So he has condemned sin in the flesh. Okay, now verse four It's like I read it and it kind of sounds heavy and theological, so we miss it. But it's like the best verse in the Bible. I mean, it's like up there with John 3, 16 and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, like for real, this one will get you. This will change your life in order. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. See, no one shouted because y'all don't get it. Listen. It's because of Jesus' obedience, the requirements of the law have been completely met in us. So when God sees us, he doesn't see a lawbreaker or a sinner. He sees perfection. Because Christ came and paid the price. You're, you're just as accepted and loved as Jesus is to the Father. You are just as much a child of God as the Lord is. Think about that. We don't live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul says that he's been given this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan. And now in verse 8, he says this. I've pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. But he has said to me, my grace is sufficient. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Therefore, I will more gladly boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. Now he's, he's gonna define now verse 10, the thorn in the flesh. His thorn was not sickness, disease, or, or blindness. If some people said, this is the thorn in the flesh, verse 10. So I'm well pleased with my weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. Literally, he's talking about the ministry. <laughs> like every pastor is like, yes, I've been right there. He's talking about the apostolic call on his life. In other words, when I said yes to the ministry, I didn't know how, I didn't know how heavy it was going to be. That's his thorn. But don't get tripped up on Paul's thorn. We all got a thorn. Okay. For the sake of Christ, for when I'm weak in human strength, that I'm strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's So in Romans 8, we see this passage about grace changing us. But yet in 2 Corinthians 12, we see this passage about grace sustaining us. 
And so I wanna preach from this subject tonight. tonight. Grace to change and grace to stay the same. Grace to change and grace to stay the same. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray now that your word would change us, would mark us, and would reveal Jesus to us. We thank you for grace to change. And tonight we thank you for grace to sustain, to stay the same. Speak now. We're listening, we're leaning in, and we're believing for a word that will change us forever. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. And amen. Come on, clap your hands. Let's, let's get into this word tonight. I feel good about it. So grace is the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God. Can't pay for it, can't earn it, can't deserve it, can't do enough good to get it. Uh, if you could, if you could perform for it, it wouldn't be grace anymore. Grace is a gift, not a payment. Grace is a gift. Salvation is a gift from God. It's not a payment. It's not something God gives us for the good things we've done, but it's something he gives us by grace and grace alone. Grace is God's love in action. So everything God does in us, everything God does through us, everything God does for us, everything God does with us, he does by an act of his grace and grace alone. We can't earn it, deserve it, pay for it, achieve it, perform for it, try hard enough for it. We receive it. It's grace. So we don't come timidly to the throne of performance. We don't come fearfully to the throne of works. Well, I gotta go talk to God, but man, I did. Okay, what did I do this week? What do I need to repent of this week? What do I need to, okay, I got it. No, 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 we, we, we don't come fearfully to the throne of works. We come, Hebrews 4, we come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Now, notice it says, in time of need. That means that grace is not a one-time salvation thing that happens when you're first saved. Grace is an everyday thing. Like, like there is never gonna be a day that you don't need grace. There's never gonna be a day that you don't need the favor of God. There's never gonna be a day that you're, you're gonna have times of need. You don't just have a time of need when you get born again, but y'all, every day you're going to need the grace of God. And here's the good news, it's always available. It's always available. So Reinhold Niebuhr said this, God grant me the ability to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can. He goes on to saying, give me the wisdom to know the difference. God give me the ability to accept the things I cannot change. You know, I think so much of our life we're actually praying for things that are not going to change and shouldn't change <laughs> while ignoring the things that can change. And so we end up making zero progress because we're obsessed about things that God is not going to deal with right now. And we're missing out on the things that he wants to do in our life. So most of us in this room, we came here today for change. 
Now, there's, there's probably maybe two of you, maybe three, who came in here today like, I came to church tonight because everything's perfect, life is so good, and I just came to give the Lord my, my praise. Like, there's maybe two of you, that's awesome, we celebrate you, and that's amazing. But most of us, we came here because we need something. Yeah, like we need a prayer answered, we need a breakthrough, we need a healing, we need a miracle, we need, we, we need, to, we need to deal with some stuff that's going on on the inside of us. Like we came to church tonight for change. We're, we're believing God for change. We're needing change. There's a, a healing that needs to happen. There's a relationship that needs to be restored. There's a breakthrough in our soul that needs to happen. We came for change, but, but I've learned that change can seem so distant, so impossible, so far away, like wishful thinking. You know, we've all in this room, we've all made decisions to change and then not changed. Sociologists tell us that only 12% of New Year's resolutions are actually realized, and I think that's way too high of a number. Uh, well, for me anyway, I have not had 12% of my New Year's resolutions met. I could promise you that. So, so the question has to be asked, so how does God change us? Here's point number one. God does not change us by the law. Oh boy, y'all gonna get nervous tonight. I've been waiting for this one. He doesn't change us by trying harder and following the rules. He doesn't change us by the law, Romans 8, 3, what the law was powerless to do. The law can do a lot of things, but it cannot change your heart. The law can do a lot of things, but it cannot save your soul. The law can do a lot of things, but it cannot change you. So what is the law? The law of Moses, everyone say Moses, because it is the law of Moses. John 1 says that the law came by Moses, grace and truth by Jesus Christ. The law of Moses are the laws and commands given by God to a specific group of people at a specific time. Ooh, getting nervous. I felt the oxygen just leave the room. It was the Jewish nation. There were different aspects to the law, including ceremonial, legal, dietary, and moral laws. Now, the most famous part of the law out of the 613 commandments would be what? The 10 commandments, right? God's top 10. Um, some of you know them, some of you don't. <laughs> some of you are racking your brain right now like, I know there's a thou shalt not. There's a... Uh, 10 commandments are great. You should obey them. They're awesome. They just can't save you. And, I, and I, I would say like some old preachers would say, they're God's top 10 commandments, not suggestions. Praise God. That's great. Like I would command you, like don't kill me. <laughs> like I wouldn't suggest that. I'd be like, do not murder me. This is a command. <laughs> Coveting is not a good idea. My, my neighbor has a 1960s Ford Mustang. Oh, that thing is fire. And uh, I have coveted in my heart, I got to be honest with you. But I haven't stole it because I don't want to go to jail. I'm not jail material. I'm... I'll leave that one there. Um, 
You shouldn't lie. Don't lie. Amen. Don't lie. Honor the Sabbath. Yeah, like these are good things. But it doesn't save you. And some of you are nervous by me saying that, but you should be really grateful. You want to know why? Because every person in this room has broken the Ten Commandments. Either directly or indirectly. Either by deed or by heart. I've never cheated on my wife. Yeah, but Jesus said, if you even lust after a woman, it's like adultery. Like, I never murdered anybody. Yeah, but if you even have hatred in your heart, it's like murder. Like, we've all broken the law. And the, the, the writer James in the book of James says, if you've broken one, you've broken all of them. So we're guilty, y'all. So the law can't change us. What does the law do then? Here's what it does. Romans 7, 7. It's a good Las Vegas number. Amen. We just needed one more in there. Well then, uh, you see that joke just die? I got one fake laugh like, ah, you tried, but it really just. Amen. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. Of course not, it says. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would have never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetness, uh, covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. Notice that, that sin used the command to arouse all kinds of desires in me. And, and if you're a parent, you know this is true because you tell your kid, don't touch that, it's hot. And they look at you and go, and they. <laughs> in our experience with our little two-year-old, Goldie, don't jump in the pool, you can't swim. And then she just jumps in the pool. <laughs> We're working on a fence right now with barbed wire and <laughs> lasers to keep her out of the pool. You know, it's like. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the moment you say you can't, your, your flesh goes, well, well, why not? Let me. It's not that the law is evil. It's that our flesh rises up in an unholy curiosity to a no. So if I say, you know, Kyle... Don't think about a dog. Don't ever think about a dog. Stop thinking about a dog. Don't you dare think about a dog. Don't think about a dog. Dog, dog. Don't you dare think about a dog. Well, he's thinking about a dog. What kind of dog? Golden Retriever. <laughs> We've had a poodle, a Rottweiler, a German Shepherd, and now a Golden Retriever. And then I've been a coyote all day. I just, every time I think of dog, I think of coyote. Okay, so, so I'll let you know. The moment I told him he, he can't and he's obsessed with, Dog, dog, he thinks of a dog. Because it's in us to do that. The law can't change you. The law can only expose. Like when you're driving down the road and you see a speed limit sign 35 miles an hour, that doesn't change your heart. 
You know what you should do, but. If you're hood like me, you go to those stop signs and you kind of just yield through the stop sign. Because, because, yeah, California stop. Because, because the law can't change you. It can expose you and it can get you in trouble and it can reveal. But it can't change you. So we don't, we're not changed by trying. There has to be a deeper work that happens. Colossians 2.20, you have died with Christ. Listen to me, Christian. The moment you accepted Christ as Lord, you died. And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? Notice this, notice this. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. (laughs) Hear no evil, see no evil, say no evil. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. Let me tell you what legalism is. Zach, legalism is when the Holy Spirit tells me to do something and then I tell you, you have to do it. Hey, I fast on Wednesdays. You need to fast on Wednesdays. And now Zach hasn't had a revelation. Zach hasn't gotten a word from God. The Holy Spirit hasn't done anything in Zach's heart to tell him to do that. I've now placed a yoke of legalism on him that's going to deteriorate his faith. Is fasting good? Yep. Does fasting separate you from the world and connect you with God? Yep. Does fasting cause your flesh to decrease and your spirit to increase? Absolutely. Is fasting in the Bible? Absolutely. But the moment I tell you when and where to fast, we have left Holy Spirit guidance and we've gotten into control. And it looks spiritual, but it's deteriorating the real spirit life. You... You look cool for it, but I don't watch rated R movies. Well, except for Passion of the Christ. Okay, well, okay. (laughs) I only drink on vacation. (laughs) Oh, this is such a Christian thing. Do you drink? No, I mean, unless we're in Cabo, you know what I'm saying? Then I might have a... I mean, it's a Mai Tai, I mean. So do you drink or not? Listen, own it. Whatever you're going to do, just own it. It's not, it's not sometimes. It's not on vacation if I leave the country. Don't, you, you do things that make you look spiritual. So my thing is like, yo, if you drink, drink. And, and don't lie about it. You either do it or you don't do it. And by the way, where sin gets power is when you do it secretly. The moment you do it on vacation, the moment you only do it during certain times, the moment you is, is you're now in a secret that now you, you, you don't expose it to light where there can actually be accountability. To me, it's like, if you're going to do it, do it and let your world know you do it so that you can actually have some boundaries as opposed to secretly doing it every once in a while. And, and now sin can grow in the secret because that's where sin always has strength in secrets. 
and, and you look more spiritual, but it's deteriorating. It's, it's human wisdom, not godly wisdom. It's human rules, not godly rules. It's, it's not being led by the Holy Spirit. It's self-righteousness. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. Huh. What are we doing? And, and we look the part, but look, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Uh, there's a mega church in America that actually had this thing where it wasn't like public, but as a pastor, I found out about it where this, this church would, the senior pastor would meet with the staff members and they would actually set health goals for the year. And so like, hey, what do you want to do this year? Well, I want to lose 15 pounds and I want to do this. Okay, cool. And in six months, they would have a, a, a meeting about it, a follow-up. And if you didn't hit your weight goals, they fired you. Hashtag cult. <laughs> Let me just. <laughs> and here's what was really weird about it is that other pastors that I had talked to, they were like hyped about it. Like, oh yeah, man, they like take these things really seriously. Like, you know, our body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And like, you know, they really, you know, it's like all about excellence and discipline. And, and I'm like, oh, this is weird. This is not the gospel. <laughs> This ain't the gospel, y'all. Can I tell you, within about a year of finding that out, that pastor had had a moral failure, cheated on his wife, divorced, alcoholic, lost the church, church fell apart. Because it, it was not grace. was not godly. That is fleshly. That is carnal. That is self righteousness at its T. That is not built upon Christ, the solid rock. That is built upon performance and fear. And of course it doesn't work. It, 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 it's not the plan of God. It's not Bible. But we create these rules that look spiritual. Well, let me tell you what happens. It will not conquer a person's evil desires. It's not how God changes us. God does not change us by do's and don'ts. Well, so how does he change us? Number two, he changes us through relationship. Romans 8, 4, we were there. Who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Live according to the spirit. How do we, how do we live according to the spirit? Galatians 5, 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Other translations would say walk in the Spirit. Others would say follow the Spirit. Others would say yield to the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Can we just get that word picture really quick? The Apostle Paul's saying just stay close to the Holy Spirit. Just stay close, just walk by him. We have this little saying with Goldie, whenever we're out in public and she wants to get out of her stroll or whatever, and she wants to walk, we say, stay close. And she'll kind of start to wander, and we'll say, hey, stay close. 
Because we know as long as she's close, she's safe. Can you just hear the voice of the Holy Spirit right now saying, hey, stay close? I'm not pushing you away. I'm not rejecting you. I'm not disappointed in you. I'm actually always, always, always inviting you closer. Stay close. Stay close. Walk by me. Walk in me, walk, walk with me, follow me. And here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into sin. He'll never lead you into temptation. He will never lead you into foolishness. He'll never lead you into pride, arrogance. He'll never lead you into rebellion. He'll never lead you into dishonor. He'll never lead you into lust. So here's the deal. You walk by the Holy Spirit and then you obey by accident. See, people talk about they fell into sin. You don't fall into sin. You walk into sin. <laughs> but when you walk by the Spirit, you fall into holiness. You fall into righteousness. You, you walk by him, and before you know it, you start acting like him. Relationship. This spirit life must be spirit sustained. This Christian life must be Christ sustained. As my friend Jeremy Foster said, God is not going to give you a life where he is unnecessary. So you just stay close. And what will happen is he just starts changing your nature slowly. And all of a sudden, what you used to do, you're not comfortable doing anymore. I'm going to say that. Who told me that? I'm going to say that. You go to, like, you go to say a certain word and you go, oh, that didn't sound, oh. This isn't a a message about cussing, y'all. Oh, praise God, someone said. Because so much of Christianity has has been limited to, like, hey, you know, we don't cuss and we don't drink and we don't. You know, we don't do this, we don't do that. You know, it's kind of like these four things. And that's what we tell our kids, right? And so then teenagers, they, they go off to college and uh, they get lit because, because we told them everything they couldn't do. We never told them what they could do. We didn't tell them they could dream, be successful, uh, uh, run their own businesses, achieve whatever they want to achieve, prosper, be in health even as their self. We didn't tell them what they could do. We just told them what they couldn't do. And then they get out there and we never taught people just how to walk with the Holy Spirit. We just never taught people how to just stay close to the Holy Spirit. And if you'll stay close, the Holy Spirit will do the job. You'll be grieved about things you used to not be grieved about. You'll know when to put limitations. You'll know when it's like, man, that wasn't appropriate. You'll know when it's like, man, I need to not do that. you'll, You'll know Because he's leading and he's guiding. And as long as he's leading and guiding, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is how God changes you. So Jesus says this, Matthew 11, verse 28. Look what he says. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. You know what he's saying? He's saying me and religion are not the same thing. How many have ever heard this phrase, Christianity is a relationship, not a religion? How many have ever heard that? Something like that? Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> because every other religion is about man trying to get to God, and Christianity is about God coming to man wanting a relationship. Look what he says. Get away with me, 
and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Let me, let me take the lead here. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Oh. Now, now, yeah, go ahead, clap for God's word. It's good, that's good. And you know what? When you live in grace, you're light even in heavy situations. Like, man, I might be going through it, but there's a lightness to me. There's an ease. There's a, there's a joy. There's, it's not that life's easy, but there's an ease to my life because I'm living in an unforced rhythm. I don't take on the rhythm of culture, of the world, of expectations. I don't take on the rhythm of, of what anyone tries to put on me. I, I walk in my unforced rhythm of grace according to the Holy Spirit. And that's where there's the ease. That's where there's the lightness. Jesus sets the pace. We hold on. Unforced, rhythm, flow, ease, exhale, grace. And all of a sudden, you are no longer begging, trying, fearing, worrying, performing. You now find yourself living in an unforced rhythm. And so now prayer on the screen, check this out. Prayers are now answered because you no longer treat prayer as a payment to God, but as an expression of relationship. Prayer is no longer a currency that you use to try to get things from God. Prayer now becomes the holy invitation of the Almighty. And it's easy and it's light. And you just talk to your father. And there's openness and there's transparency and there's intimacy and there's an ease to it. And when we get to that place of prayer, Jesus says, finally, finally you're resting. Now I can start working. Grace. That's how God changes you. There is grace available to change. Lastly, though, don't forget, there is grace for the things that stay the same. <laughs> Second Corinthians 12, 8, I pleaded with the Lord three times that this struggle might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient. Don't get caught up in what um, Paul's thorn was. Don't get caught up in what he needed and prayed for to leave his life. Feel the emotion of Paul's words. Feel the weight of his testimony. I prayed and it didn't change. I think pretty much everyone in this room has been there. 
Oh, it got quiet, so that knows, I, I, now I know I'm doing something good. Now I know I'm on the right vein. I thought it would have already happened by now, but I'm still waiting. I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and God said no. I don't have a cute Bible answer for every disappointment, every painful situation, every waiting season, every delay, every difficulty. I, I, I don't always have the right things to tell you. So let me just tell you what God told Paul. Grace. I expected this to happen and this happened. And there is now a gap between my expectation and my reality. And I would tell you by the Holy Spirit, let grace fill the gap. I, th I thought I'd be married by now. Let grace fill the gap. Not another boyfriend and another girlfriend and another 3 a.m. Oh, okay, we're not allowed to talk about that. Okay, don't. And, a, and another relationship that you know isn't going anywhere, but at least it's someone to hang out with. Don't, don't, don't let compromise fill the gap. Let grace fill the gap. Single people. I thought our marriage would be better by now. Don't let disappointment and resentment fill the gap. Let grace fill the gap. I thought I'd be further along in my career by now. Don't, don't, don't let all that self-condemnation fill the gap. Let grace fill the gap. I thought, I thought life would be different by now. Don't, don't let depression fill the gap. Let grace fill the gap. I prayed and I thought this was gonna happen, but I find myself here. But, but here's all I can give you. The apostle said, but he said to me, I didn't get the answer I was expecting, but I still got a word. I didn't get the exact manifestation I was believing for, but I still got a word. I got a word. I'm a little depressed right now. But I got a word. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed right now, but, but, but I got a word. I, I didn't know, you know, I moved to Vegas and people told me it's going to be hot. I didn't know it was going to be that hot. <laughs> but I got a word. I, yes, yes. I don't know where my teenager is right now, but, but I have a word over them. I, I expected a miracle to come this way, but it's coming this way. But I do have a word. I, I'm going to let the word fill the gap. I'm going to let grace fill the gap because his grace is sufficient and his power is being made perfect in my week. Can I get a witness from somebody? I got a word. Come on, somebody shout, I got a word. I got a word and the word is going to sustain me and the word's going to be bread to me and the word's going to be meat and drink to me 
and the word is going to be with me through this gap in my life. I got a word and I'm going to let a word fill the gap. I'm going to let grace fill the gap. Come on, somebody shout right now if you're hearing this word. I got a word. And so I'm struggling, but I got a word. I'm, I didn't know I would still be addicted, but I got a word. I thought I would have forgiven them by now, but I got a word. I prayed, God, take this away. and It hasn't happened yet. But I won't live in disappointment. I live in grace because I have a sustaining word. I got a word. Paul says, I, I prayed for change and change didn't come. But he did give me grace for the delay. <laughs> I, see, I'm not, I'm not saying it, you're never going to get a breakthrough. I'm just saying there's grace while you're waiting. Like at what point, married people, at what point are you going to stop praying that God would change your spouse? <laughs> at what point are you going to stop trying to change them? And at what point are you going to say, God, I need sufficient grace. I'm not talking about abuse or, or violence. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking just about when are you just going to get grace for the situation? When are you going to start receiving grace and giving grace? When are, when are you going to finally receive the grace for the things you cannot change? And say, I know it hasn't changed yet, but I'm still going to have joy. And I'm still going to be happy. And I'm going to still live my life. Because see, as soon as there's something you're believing for and it doesn't come quick enough, the enemy will jump all over that and say, you would be so happy if, if you just, if you just had more money, if you just had this thing, if you just had this thing, if you just got this answer and we, and we live instead of filling the gap with grace, we fill the gap with disappointment and complaining and frustration. Instead of going, yeah, I do want that. I prayed earnestly for that. But I'm not obsessed with it anymore because his grace is sufficient. His power is working in my weakness. So Paul says, he hasn't forgotten me. He, he's still speaking to me. So I'm gonna be all right because I, because I, I still got a word from the Lord. <sighs> and, and through your life, you'll have some of these moments. Don't be discouraged by them. Don't obsess over them. Learn to fill that gap with grace, sufficient grace. With his power. And you'll be amazed the joy 
and the ease and the rhythm even when life isn't easy. So I, I got grace to change, but I also have grace for some things that are going to stay the same.